Author Kim Cash-Tate is back at the table with the Discover the Word group for the second half of an episode of the Discover the Word podcast called Cling, Choosing a Lifestyle of Intimacy with God. And to get part two underway, Kim asks Marta Hahn and Elisa Morgan and Bill Crowder to think about the people that they know best and are closest to and how those relationships became deep and meaningful. How did that happen? How did that happen for you? Hmm. Talk, 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 talk. Listen, 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 listen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's both, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then it's going to be time and talk, experience yes. and talk, experience yes. and time. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think it begins by telling each other your stories. I remember that being a huge thing in almost every relationship. But then you begin to create a story together. Yeah, more of that conversation in a moment as we get the group together for the Discover the Word podcast next. And this is Discover the Word, the small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries. And once again this week, Mart and Elisa and Bill have our friend, author Kim Cash-Tate at the table with them. Kim is taking us through the material in a book she wrote called Cling, and showing us how that word cling, used in Deuteronomy 10 and 13 to describe a relationship with God, has made such a huge difference for her. Uh, We spent most of episode one in John chapter four, exploring how Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well illustrates so much about a cling lifestyle. If you didn't catch that first episode, I'd encourage you to go to our discovertheword.org website or wherever it is you get your podcasts and listen to that. That in a lot of ways sets up what we'll be talking about this time. Because we're going to go to a number of passages, mainly in the Old Testament, related to the life of David that can help us see how we can grow closer to God and choose a lifestyle that promotes an intimacy with Him. All right, so pull your chair in with the rest of the group and let's pick up this focus on cling with our guest, Kim Cash-Tate. It's so good to be back again. Thank you for staying around for these yeah, conversations. Yeah, I, I enjoyed some uh, kind of neat surprises in our last conversations. Yeah, I'm not sure I'll ever see John 4 the same way again. No. That was really helpful. Thanks for leading us Kind of got it. inside the story, Kim, and then got inside our heads and hearts, too. So. Well, I'm enjoying it and so thankful to be here. And this word is really sticking with me, <laughs> <laughs> the word cling. I mean, yes. it's so nice to have one word that says so much. Yes. I mean, I'm a simple yes. person, and so I think about words, and I love to chew them over and over mm-hmm. and over. And that word cling is really changing me. Oh, I love that. And for him to cling to us. Uh-huh. And yes. I loved your story when you told us how you came to value that idea of cling. Mm-hmm. You found it in the scriptures, mm-hmm. but you really found it in your own life, in your own broken heart. Yes. In my own heart and longing for intimacy, a deep relationship, and to be seen and appreciated. And in my mind, you know, when you don't feel that way in your little girl, <laughs> yeah. and that's mm-hmm. what you long for. So mm-hmm. finding that in the Lord and hmm. and then growing in that. Oh, I think so many of us identify with that. Yes. So thank you for your honesty and vulnerability there. So what do you want to do this week? This week, I want us to look at how do we grow in intimacy with God? How okay. do we practically learn to cling to him? And I want us to think about in our own lives How do we grow in intimacy with knowing our spouse or a best friend or whoever is in our lives that we have an intimate knowledge of? How did that happen? How did that happen for you? Hmm. 
talk, 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 talk. Listen, 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 listen. Yeah. I mean, it's both, isn't it? And then it's going to be time and talk, experience and talk, experience and time. Yeah, I think it begins by telling each other your stories. I remember that being a huge thing in almost every relationship. But then you begin to create a story together. And it's the same with God. Sometimes we tend to think it's different with God, that we have to jump through certain hoops to gain a closeness or an intimacy with God. Like what do we have to, to do, right? What do I have to do? And certainly we do have to learn of him. And we're going to talk about that today. But just the fact that we can learn who he is. He wants us to know him and to know his ways. And we can actually learn that. And so we want to look at that today. Can we turn to Isaiah 55, 9? I've got it here. You want me to read it? Yes. Thank you. Okay. It says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so if we read that verse alone, we would think, oh, well, what's the point? I can't know who he is. Like he's unreachable. (laughs) He's Uh unreachable. Yeah, Yeah, it sounds like the opposite of what you were telling us before. it sounds like the opposite. But he doesn't leave it there. What I think is interesting is something he said to his people in the book of Deuteronomy. And we know that's where we get that word clean. But look what he says. Let's look at Deuteronomy 10, 12. I've got that here. Okay. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with all of your heart and soul. And in my translation, it says he requires that you walk in all his ways And so if you look at that compared to the Isaiah verse, first God said his ways are way up here and yours are way down here. But then he said he requires us to walk in his ways. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So somehow we're supposed to learn what those Mm -hmm. ways are, right? He expects us to learn his ways. And there's just something about that word way, his ways. I mentioned in an earlier segment that I mark in my Bible. Mm -hmm. And one of the words I mark is ways, in Psalms and Proverbs, it's everywhere. Let's look now at Psalm 25, 4. And this is a Psalm of David. Do you want me to read that? Yes, uh, verse, that four. Four, verse 4. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Mm. So there is an example where we have ways and paths in the same verse. And I love that David prayed that. So David would have been a good student of what Moses taught (laughs) hundreds of years Mm -hmm. before. And he Mm -hmm. knew that God, I'm pretty sure he knew that God said, I'm requiring you to walk in my ways. And then David says, then make me know your ways. God is more than willing to let us know his ways. Just as my husband, we've been married 24 years. I pretty much know his ways now. (laughs) I know what he does in the morning. I know what he likes in his coffee and what kind of coffee he likes. I know that he enjoys a good breakfast. I know all these things about him that had to come from learning Mm -hmm. from him. And then we don't realize how intimately we begin to know someone, even it doesn't take Mm -hmm. 24 years, but even if it's a friend, we know these little Mm -hmm. things about them. Right. And then before you know it, we're close to that person just from learning their ways, aren't we? Yeah. When you were talking about knowing the ways of your husband, that's very general. But mm-hmm. when you start being specific, mm-hmm. 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 then all of a sudden he came alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, it's not just, yeah. yeah, he likes coffee. No, I know the kind of coffee he mm-hmm. likes, how he likes and it. And the time of day. Yeah. And what I'm also hearing is that knowing someone's ways and God's ways is a beginning. But now you're talking about actually acting upon your knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if I just knew that you liked certain things, but I never it yes. mentioned it or served you a cup of coffee with sweet and low in it or whatever it is that you like, I mean, mm-hmm. so what? Mm-hmm. But so there's this element of that knowledge mm-hmm. affecting us mm-hmm. and affecting how we respond to each other. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're getting at with this concept of cling and intimacy here? It is. And we will get into a more tangible example, even using David in the days to come about how he acted on mm-hmm. what he knew about God and his ways. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to look today at the fact that we can know his ways mm-hmm. because I think that when we come to know the Lord in a salvation sense, we think, I know God, I'm saved. <laughs> I know I'm going to heaven. But do we really know mm-hmm. him? What mm-hmm. do we know about him? Are we in the Bible reading? Because the Bible is really a book of God's ways. We have our own ideas about how we may approach the Bible and what we can learn from it. But from Genesis to Revelation, it's a book of God's ways. Hmm. Could we say that it's not just to know his ways, but knowing his ways is how we come to know his heart? Absolutely. In the book, Cling, I talk about knowing his ways, knowing his heart. But in all of that, we're talking about knowing God. We're talking about he wants to be known. We can lose the awe of knowing that God wants to be known. Yeah. Kim, what would you say, though, if we were to get 100 people, 100 of our friends here at the table with us, mm-hmm. not all of them were necessarily believers. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many different views and opinions and perceptions there would be of God's ways. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think some people are, feel like burnt by God. Like, yes. I really don't mm-hmm. like him very much. Mm-hmm. He's taken things from me and from people that I love mm-hmm. that make me a bit angry. Mm-hmm. and. I remember the illustration of everybody being blindfolded and trying to describe what it was in the room that they could feel. And they would go up and feel this object and describe it. And, you know, some people say, I feel this leathery skin. And some people would say, I feel this long kind of a trunk. Everybody was describing an elephant, but from their perspective. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're the same way. We have a limited understanding from our experience. And sometimes it is Mm -hmm. a painful experience. Mm -hmm. And And sometimes we can really misunderstand Mm -hmm. the ways of God as well, right? And to me, the reason why the heart piece of it comes in is you can know God's ways in a kind of a systematic theology kind of way that can be very cold Even if it's right. Yeah, even if it's correct, it can still be very cold and aloof. But that's more knowing about God Mm -hmm. as opposed to really knowing him and his heart personally. Is that fair? Absolutely. Some, as you were saying, may see him as a God of wrath or looking to punish us. But that's not knowing all of God. And so knowing his ways means knowing all of who he is and knowing his heart behind Mm. those things that love is always going to undergird those things. And so when you approaching him from a desire for intimacy, you just see God in a whole different way. And knowing that he wants that from us, Mm. I think makes all the difference Mm. that he's not up here Mm -hmm. far away saying, my thoughts are here, my ways are here. And I want you to know me. If you think about it, that's really the whole point of Jesus. I mean, of course, that we would have access to God. But, you know, Jesus makes God known. Yes. And we see the ways of God more clearly in Jesus Mm -hmm. and may actually misunderstand the ways of God in some other scriptures or seeing how God acts in other times. We just may misunderstand why he's doing Mm -hmm. what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Because we saw Jesus with certain groups of people being very harsh (laughs) and yet telling the children come to me. And so 
-hmm. It's the same God. It's a matter then of actually learning, as you were saying, Bill, what his heart is, why he acts at times in ways that look to us as being harsh or difficult, and to discover that his ways really are the ways of love. But we need to learn to get to know him well enough to see that. Yes. A good conversation to begin part two of our series called Cling with our guest, Kim Cash-Tate. We can know God's ways. In fact, he wants to be known. And it's not just a matter of knowing about God and then being kept at arm's length. It's about finding ourselves in God's embrace and knowing him intimately and clinging to him. Well, in this next segment, Kim's going to take us to the story of David and Goliath. Now, this is a familiar event in the life of this prominent Old Testament character. And Kim wants us to look at this and some other events in the life of David that can help us see how this cling aspect of a relationship with God can help us in those times when we feel unsure and maybe not enough. When you feel that God is calling you to a significant task, do you tend to call to mind all the reasons why it can't be done? <laughs> I have a little bit of Moses in me. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I can't do this. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Here am I, send Aaron. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I have a little mm-hmm. bit of that, mm-hmm. yeah. But, but, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, yeah, and sure. I tend to feel like the process of what you call a call is, you know, for me it's a little bit fluid mm-hmm. because it's kind of like a strong impression that I should do something. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or ought to yes. do something. yes. Yeah, and, I, but I, then it comes to the reasoning, you know, can I really afford to do that? Am I mm-hmm. sure that that's what I should be doing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do I know it's from God? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would call it just a nudge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But no, I totally mm-hmm. go to, you could use somebody else much better. Mm-hmm. Why me? Mm-hmm. But you do, you feel that nudge and you know mm-hmm. it may even be something that you have never thought about doing. And one yeah. of those, I know that has to be God because... Where'd that thought come from? Yeah. And which was kind of how it was with me with homeschooling my kids. Ooh. I had actually prayed for God not to call me to homeschool. Mm-hmm. And That's so- a big mistake. But <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you, did you, and I hear the humor in that, okay? <laughs> but did you find yourself, though, coming to the place where you wanted to do yes. it? Okay. Yes. So then I had prayed not to, like a year before. Yeah. And then, because I had met a woman who did it, and I just said, I could, it was that same thing. I could never, mm. yeah. couldn't yeah. even imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then a year later, I started hearing about it everywhere, and all of a sudden in my heart, I wanted to do it. It's almost a sense of feeling you're compelled to do it at that yeah. point, Compelled right? like you can, yeah. but not. still coming up with reasons why right. I'm not equipped, I'm not, you're I still can't af- do this. afraid. But in your heart, you but want to. But in your heart, you know, I've yes. got to do this. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so what if when we feel that nudge, when we feel that prompting, and we just really are compelled to do a thing, and we can think of all the reasons why we can't do it, what if we first call to mind who God is? and what he's able to do. What if that was our fallback? Hmm. And I wanted to look at that today because that's what David did, which is amazing to me. And so we've been talking about intimacy with God and knowing God's ways. And we don't want to just learn his ways to have a textbook knowledge (laughs) of his ways. We want Mm -hmm. to know his ways so that day to day, it'll make a difference in our lives and how we approach life and what we think about in terms of what's happening around us and hardships, anything that comes upon us, we want to know his ways. His ways give us courage. So we are going to first Samuel where we find the youth David before he became king of Israel. We're familiar with that story, many of us, of David and Goliath. Mm -hmm. The David who was a young 
Jewish boy mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point, just a teenager. Mm-hmm. And he has been at this point in the story of David's life. He's been anointed to one day be king, but he's not king yet. And he's it, spent a lot of time with the sheep, hasn't he? He's been yeah. with the sheep. He's a shepherd boy, and he has spent all of his time in the sheep. And so as we come to this passage in First Samuel 17, that's what David has been, a shepherd boy. And he actually comes upon this scene because his dad tells him, could you just leave the sheep for a minute and take lunch to your older brother's? who are actually doing something. They're fighting a war. Which is a weird concept for us because we would never imagine sending a kid to a battle for yes. to deliver <laughs> no. pizza to the troops. You know. So that in itself might have been a scary call. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just bring the lunch. Just go on the side, mm-hmm. <laughs> drop it off, and then go back to your mm-hmm. sheep. That was his instruction. At the point where we will pick it up, he's gotten to this battle line, and he sees this giant challenging the people of Israel. And... He's thinking, what is going on here? And he's seeing everybody running in fear, including mm-hmm. his brothers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're all in fear. His big brothers. His big brothers. David's the youngest one. And he's incensed. His immediate thought yeah. is, why are you all running? So let's actually start with First Samuel seventeen twenty six, And we're going to read 26 through 30. Okay, in verse 26, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? He's talking about Goliath. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in accord with this word saying, thus it will be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you've come down in order to see the battle. What have I done now? David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. And then David's question, which I guess was what will be done for the person who kills Goliath, right? Then David's question was reported to King Saul, And the king sent for him. Can we just read 32 through 37 as well? Okay. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he's been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So we talked yesterday, we read David's prayer yesterday, remember from Psalm 25, 4, where he said, make me know your ways, Mm -hmm. O Lord, Mm -hmm. teach me your paths. And God has been teaching him his ways with that lion, with that bear. He's learning a lot about God. 
And again, not just to file away as a textbook knowledge, but he's actually using that now. And so we talked earlier about how we can tend to discourage ourselves. He didn't need to discourage himself. He had his brother. That's right. That's right. To do that job. We all have, quote, older brothers, whether it's literal or figurative. Mm-hmm. We have those voices inside ourselves mm-hmm. that discourage us and say, you can't do this. Yes. You cannot do this. Who do this. you think yes. you are? Yeah. Who do you yeah. think you yes. are? Yeah. What do you think you're doing? Yes. He really demeans David shepherding. He really those, did few sheep in the wilderness. <laughs> I mean, it's really nasty. And he even impugned his motives, the wickedness of your heart. Yeah. And you can imagine, though, what his brother's thinking. His brother's just been running from the giant. Yeah. His brother's afraid. And so here comes little David. <laughs> and he's like, who do you think you are? But he gets spiritual on him, too. It he does. uses almost like this religious implication. You're evil. You're wicked. You're yeah. arrogant. Yeah. You're What pride. And I love what David did in verse 30. It says, and he turned away from him. (laughs) I'm not even going to listen to that. That's powerful. Because his mind is on God and the fact that this giant is taunting the armies of the living God. What are you all doing and why are you running in fear? And so as soon as his brother tries to discourage him, he turns away. And I just think that is such a lesson for us Mm. that. We don't have to listen to our, even our own yeah. voices. Turn away from our own voices mm-hmm, <laughs> that mm-hmm. try to discourage us mm-hmm. to get that focus. He wasn't really wavering at that point, was he? He was not wavering at all. No. As soon as he got there and saw that, his mind went to the Lord immediately. But it was because of him learning God's ways in that wilderness with his few sheep. Mm-hmm. If somebody said, and what were those ways? What would okay, you say? Here we go. So this was what he was learning when we got to those other verses, when he was telling Saul what he learned, he said, when the lion and the bear attacked the lamb, I went after them and attacked them and I rescued them. He's telling what he did. And he said, the Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear, and he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So he learned about God's ways. He learned that God is faithful, that when I'm under attack, Mm -hmm. God will be faithful I don't have to be afraid. So he's drawn on those past experiences to set his expectations for what he expects of his God going forward. Yes. His focus on God gave him strength and courage to move forward, even though he may have deep down felt some fear. That's a natural instinct to feel fear. You see this huge giant clothed in all this armor. I'm sure that was in him somewhere, but he kept his focus on God and what he knew God had done. He saw God's ways and that helped him in that current. And the reality is, as he's remembering how God delivered, he's got to be remembering the fear he felt in those situations. Yes. You know, so it's a complete memory. It's not Mm -hmm. just like, oh, God snapped me up. It's like I was this scared one other time. Yes. Two or three other times. Yes. And God delivered. So one of the ways of God is that he can, within our fears and within our own sense of inadequacy, show us he's greater. He's greater than our fears and he's greater than any enemy, that it's his purpose to overthrow. Amen. Another insightful conversation that really begs the question, what would it look like and how would it change our lives if we focused more on what God can do rather than on what we can't? Just a moment. We're going to talk about how even if we are clinging to God, we're not promised a life that will be free from trouble. We're actually promised the exact opposite. But what God has promised is that we'll never go through those things alone. And so we'll have that conversation after this word about Kim's book called Cling. 
Well, we're so glad that you could be with us at our table for this edition of the Discover the Word podcast. And as I've already mentioned, our special guest, author Kim Cash-Tate, has written a book titled Cling, Choosing a Lifestyle of Intimacy with God. As a wife and mother and former lawyer, Kim brings a broad perspective to her study of the Bible. And her book has the incisive clarity that you'd expect from a lawyer, along with a warmth of someone who personally knows the love of God and others. It's a great book to read on your own, or it's perfect for a small group or book club that you're a part of. It's my prayer that this study will inspire you to accept God's gracious invitation to cling to Him, to daily choose a lifestyle of intimacy with Him. You can order a copy of Cling by Kim Cash Tate at discovertheword.org or go to ourdailybreadpublishing.org and type Cling into the search box. And now let's listen as Kim and Mart and Elisa and Bill stay with the life and writings of David and observe how Cling can be the glue that holds us together in times of trial and suffering. So yesterday we talked about how we may have a task that we feel compelled to do. We feel that it's from God and we immediately tend to think of how we can't perform that task. Right. What about trials (laughs) and hardships Mm -hmm. when they come into our lives? Mm -hmm. Do they always kind of loom scary? Do they just seem really big to you? I think if they didn't, they wouldn't be called trials. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'd be called something else. You know, we hear the platitudes that get thrown around in church world of, well, God will never put more on you than you can bear. And sometimes it feels like, okay, Lord, maybe this time you missed it. Mm -hmm. Maybe this time it's just too much. I have a good friend who says, I wish God didn't have such a high opinion of me (laughs) in terms of the trials he thinks Mm -hmm. I can handle. Mm -hmm. No, no, I think you're onto it. I think for it to be a test, it has to seem overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I think we forget that Jesus said we will have troubles in this world. It's a guarantee, pretty much. Even in James, when it says, when you (laughs) encounter trials, not if you, when you encounter trials, we can't escape Mm -hmm. them. So it's what do we do in the midst of them? I know for me, sometimes I think it's a requirement that I have to first look at the trial and think about how scary it is and how much I fear it and how it's going to really take me down. And then it takes a while before I get to, <laughs> but God, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want yeah, that time frame yeah. to be a little shorter to short, before you I know, get and, to the And Peter God. says in First Peter, don't be surprised. Mm-hmm. I love that too, yes. that line of thinking, because we are surprised still. Yes. You know, we've swallowed this mythology that if we know Jesus, then everything's going to be yeah. happy right at this moment. Yes. And the reality is, no, in, in this world, we will have trouble. Mm-hmm. So don't be surprised. Mm-hmm. Instead... Be what? Where do you want to take us on this topic? (laughs) We're talking about clinging to God and intimacy with God. And one of the blessings of having, I'll say, a clinging mindset is to hopefully take us immediately to God. We're going to still feel the fear. We're going to fear all those things. But to have almost an automatic response. But I'm clinging. So what does that mean right now? (laughs) I think that's really important because I think when a big issue hits, my first instinct is to go into crisis management mm-hmm. and try to work it to a resolution as quickly as possible. And what I'm hearing you say is instead of our first instinct to be going to our resources, our first instinct should be to go to him and his resources. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Yes. To have that be our 
instinct, our mindset that I'm clinging to God and that should mean something. So let me take my focus, Mm -hmm. fixing your eyes on Jesus Mm -hmm. mindset, go right there without delay and find out what does God have to say about this? Mm -hmm. How is he going to direct me and get, first of all, peace, (laughs) you know, get that peace. And we see that so much in David's response with Goliath. This is in First Samuel in, seventeen, right? Yes, First Samuel seventeen. And we're talking about this nine and a half foot giant, right? This Something nine, like is that. Is that how yeah. tall he was? Yes. Something like that. Yeah. Yes, with armor, yeah. and with weapons, yeah. the most fearsome sight you could imagine. And here's little shepherd boy David, mm-hmm. and with his eyes on God. Let's look at First Samuel seventeen. Let's start with thirty-eight through forty-nine. Okay, so Saul's going to give David his own armor, right? A bronze helmet and a coat of mail. And David puts it on, straps the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. And then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream, and he put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand... He approached the Philistine. Then the Philistine came on and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. And it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand into his bag and took from it a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. I don't know. I don't care how many times I read this. Mm. I'm amazed. What impresses you? The fact that he goes immediately to God and what he's able to do. Mm. He did not dwell for a second on, I'm a shepherd. I don't have any real weapons. He doesn't do any of that. He goes immediately to my God (laughs) can do X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z. I think it's really interesting if you look at this from the other side and from Goliath's side, he missed where the danger was. He said, are you coming at me with a stick? Well, he was going to get killed with a sling. (laughs) So he wasn't even catching Mm -hmm. the danger that he was Mm -hmm. in. And the fact that even Saul, the king, the head of the army was afraid. Mm -hmm. And so he's supposed to be leading them 
in the name of the Lord, he's not even going to God. It takes a shepherd boy. Isn't that a powerful illustration, too? I mean, talking about going to crisis management mode. You know, Saul went mm-hmm. to it. He offered the mm-hmm. best he had, his own armor, put this on, David. This will take care of things. So that happens in our lives all the time. But we have to maybe at times refuse that and mm-hmm. say, you know, I'm not going to go with best practice here. Yes. I'm going to go with God. Yes. It, it, does it make sense at times? Yes. Apparently, David was left defenseless, but he said he wasn't comfortable in this too big for him armor. Mm -hmm. I often think about that too, the fact that God will have us go against best practices. What's the conventional way of doing this? What's Uh the conventional wisdom, even among believers? What's the conventional wisdom? Common sense. Yeah. And then you go a different way and people are saying, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. How do we figure that out though in the middle? Yeah. How do we differ between what just good wisdom is and what we believe God wants to do. Because aren't God's ways often the best practice? I mean, isn't that how we say it's the way of integrity? The or, Proverbs or the... are full of just good yeah. principle. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, wise living. Yeah. So sure. how do we know discerningly when we should go against what looks to be God's ways, when God's ways aren't God's ways? I think it's what we talked about yesterday, where you just feel that compulsion deep within. If it's something that's not right or wrong, or it's just, is it this way or should I go that way? You're going to feel that because you're clinging, (laughs) right? And so in clinging, you're praying, you already understand his ways, but then you have to trust that he's going to lead you. And when you feel that compulsion, Mm -hmm. you have to do it. You have to do it because if I'm clinging to God, if I'm praying, if I'm looking at him and this is the compulsion I feel, I'm trusting that he's not going Mm -hmm. to let me go a different way. Hmm. There's a degree of mystery here. Mm -hmm. I mean, this Mm -hmm. isn't math. But it is learning to know the ways of our God, which is the point you've been emphasizing. I think you're right, Mark. There's so much mystery. And you look at David and his situation here, even in his choice to go counterintuitive, there's practical wisdom there. Because even though you go into battle in that you're in armor and stuff, this wasn't his armor. It wasn't made for Mm -hmm. him. It didn't fit him. Mm -hmm. And so there was the practical aspect of, I can't work with this because it's Mm -hmm. not for me. It's not familiar to me. So even though he's going without armor, which is against practical wisdom, he's not going in the wrong armor, which is practical wisdom. And don't you think you felt that compulsion deep within, like, this doesn't feel right. And it didn't feel right either to hear the name of his God, the God of Israel, being mocked. And the Lord's people, his soldiers, cringing Mm -hmm. in the shadows. And perhaps, too, what you're saying, Bill and Mart, is that David knew himself. Mm-hmm. And God really asks us to stay in our lane most of the time. You know, be true to who I've made you mm-hmm. to be. He was a shepherd. He mm-hmm. was a kid. Yeah. He didn't know about armor and, you know, that kind of battle. He knew about fighting lions and bears mm-hmm. and protecting yeah. sheep. So there's a lot of comfort in that, that God mm-hmm. asked me to be who he's made me to be. Yes. Yeah. And there may be even a sense in which God was enough then, God's enough now. And he said the battle is the Lord's. That was another one of God's ways that was before him that he acted on. I know this battle is the Lord's and he's going to take care of this. And I love that it says he ran quickly to the battle line. He might have had that fear. I'm just going to do it. (laughs) I'm feeling a little fear. I'm going to run to this battle line because I know the Lord will do it. And the Lord, as we now can read, had his way. David went with God and God went with him. We all have skin in the game of our own lives. Mm -hmm. And we can't always prove ahead of time where it's going to go. But if we know, as you've indicated, our God and the ways of our God, then we go with our conviction and depend on Him. When you think about the words endurance and perseverance, are they warm and fuzzy to you or (laughs) a little bit scary? They're hard. They're not scary, but they are sweaty. 
Yeah. Sweaty. <laughs> no, I like they're that sweaty. Word. Why is it sweaty? Because I ran cross country and endurance and perseverance are a part of mm-hmm. distance running. That's good. And it's just work and it's staying with it and it's sweating it out till you get to the finish mm-hmm. line. And so's parenting. Mm-hmm. And so is uh, the spiritual marriage. life. There are a lot marriage. There are a lot of things mm-hmm. that are about mm-hmm. endurance and perseverance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not easy things. Mm-hmm. Tough things. Mm-hmm. And Elisa, you mentioned the parenting and marriage, and I feel like I'm right in the middle. Married 24 years, my kids are 20 and 18, and to some people that's a long time, but to me I'm like, no, (laughs) that's not a long time, but you still are just getting a sense of the need of endurance. That's right, and that's a good point, Kim. I don't think we really understand life endurance in some early stages. We think we do, but then we get a little bit further Mm -hmm. down the road and we realize, oh, we're just really beginning. Yes, Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes, and that's a great transition to David. And we've been looking at him as a shepherd boy. He was early in his life when he was anointed by God to be the next king. But he's like 16 not years king. old. He, he was just, so yeah, young. So young. And he kills Goliath. And that's an awesome moment of victory. Mm-hmm. And he's sort of on top of the world. And then immediately <laughs> he's plunged into really his toughest battle. You would think Goliath was his greatest battle. But then he's plunged into his need for years of endurance. So I want us to look at Psalm 63, which is while he was in the midst of his wilderness. And just to summarize where David is at this point, he has killed Goliath and Saul is jealous. Thank current you. king. The mm-hmm. current king of Israel, Saul, becomes jealous because everyone's talking about David. Mm. So David is now, the shepherd boy is uplifted above the king in the eyes of the people. And Saul has made it his goal to kill him. And so David is on the run and he's on the run for years. So I want us to read all of Psalm 63, which is a psalm that David wrote while he was in the wilderness of Judah. Okay, I'll start. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it will go into the depths of the earth. They will die by the sword and become the food of jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear to tell the truth will praise him, while liars will be silenced. So we talked about how knowing God's ways will give you courage, will strengthen you in the face of a battle. And we saw that very clearly where Goliath was right before him. And David called to mind God's ways and what he knew about God and his intimacy that had been forged with God helped him at that battle line. Now we're going to look at how knowing God's ways strengthens us to endure. What do we call to mind about God? How does our intimacy with God help us when we're in a season of having to endure? I just love 
what David is focusing on and just think about what his mindset must have been as he wrote this. Mm. It's so focused and so much praise, but he says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. Isn't that such Mm -hmm. picturesque language? Mm -hmm. It really is. And a lot of times, I mean, David wrote a lot of Psalms in the wilderness Mm -hmm. and usually he puts the complaint up front Mm -hmm. and then brings God's answer second. Mm -hmm. Here he goes to the answer first, Mm -hmm. the solution first. And then he gives his complaint at the end with those who seek my life. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting. He's starting off with his confidence in God. Yes. And clinging to him. But at that point, it is a thirst, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. He says, mm-hmm. oh, God, you're my God. I earnestly search for you. Mm-hmm. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this part. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's not completely resolved yet. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of clinging to God. Clinging to God doesn't mean you're always going to be in a place of satisfaction or in a place of having all the answers or in a place of feeling like you want to feel, but you're clinging in the midst of that. So I'm thirsty right now. I feel depleted. I'm tired. And this is often how we, this is how I go to God. I'm in the midst of it. Lord, I'm frustrated. I am stressed. Mm-hmm. I am Super tired. Honest. Yep. I am thirsty, whatever the case may be, but I know you are God. <laughs> They're both mm-hmm. right there together. Mm-hmm. So as you're pointing out, Bill, and I think you're saying this, Kim, is that David is well aware of his need. Don't you think intimacy builds when we take that risk of honestly admitting our need, seeing God respond, as you're saying, Mart, and then we're able to honestly admit more need? Is this a door that pushes open wider and wider and wider and gives us greater and greater access to God and knowledge of ourselves? That is what I have found to be true, because when we go to God in those moments, we witness how he responds. So we go to him thirsty, we go to him stressed, frustrated, whatever it may be, depleted. And we're saying, but I need you, God. I need Mm -hmm. you to be this for me right now. Mm -hmm. And then you begin to Mm -hmm. feel the peace. You feel strengthened. Nothing has changed in your circumstance, but you just know that Mm -hmm. I'm being built up. And we start to build some history at that point, don't we? Because the Lord's provisions begin to add up. Mm -hmm. I think one of the great statements of scriptures, those words, Lord, up until now, (laughs) you've provided for us. Mm -hmm. You know, up until here, we can look back and see you have been our God. Mm -hmm. And imagine at this point now, David has the Goliath thing to add to his history with God and what God has done. But I think it's so valuable for us to see David with these real issues Mm -hmm. and concerns because we so tend to over-idealize him. Mm -hmm. We kind of paint him as this super guy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was messed up just like Mm -hmm. we are. Mm -hmm. And here we see him kind of coming to God and say, I'm messed up just like they are, Mm -hmm. you know. And I need you desperately. (laughs) Yeah. And look at God's ways that he's calling to mind. He's calling to mind what will help him to move beyond his thirst. So I love in verse 3 when he says, your loving kindness is better than life. Mm. Just knowing that about God, even though my life is in danger and I'm on the run, your loving kindness is better than life. And so I can praise you. My soul is satisfied, he says in verse five. And so he's calling to mind all throughout this psalm, the ways of God, what he knows about God, that he can cling to God Mm. and know that he will uphold him. Mm. Maybe comment on verse eight, Kim, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. How do those two things go together? I 
absolutely love that verse, as you can imagine, <laughs> because there's my word cling. And that's what I feel like often as I'm praying to God that my soul through my crying out to him in whatever situation I'm in, that I'm clinging to him and then he's upholding me in the midst of that. So I'm clinging and he's saying, I've got you right here. I'm upholding because we know that his right hand is his hand of power. There's a beautiful image in this. Many of us have children or grandchildren, but as a child comes to you and says, uppy, okay, a toddler says, uppy, and you pick them up and they cling to you. Yes. And you know what? That baby, that toddler can't hold on to you by mm-hmm. themselves very mm-hmm. long at all. Mm-hmm. And your arm instinctively mm-hmm. goes around them and holds them in place. And I love you know, that at picture. times it wears me out. But mm-hmm. the reality, there's a mutuality. Mm-hmm. You know, there yeah. is a mm-hmm. connectedness that keeps you in place I as you that. cling. And it's yes. right here in these inspired words. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. Mm. And it's all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. And what a comfort that is. So the endurance is this, our need, his provision, this yeah. connectedness. Yeah. Our emptiness and his strength. And that he's the one who does it. If he's got me by his right hand, then I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I can't do yeah. it by myself. I can't do it by myself. I need him. Yeah, the call is for us to claim his assurance is he will hold. And yeah. we will endure. There you have it, the we cling, he holds, we endure way of getting through those long-lasting times of difficulty in our lives. We cling, he holds, we endure. Kim Cash-Tate at the table with Marty Hahn, Elisa Morgan, and Bill Crowder. And they'll wrap up this episode of the Discover the Word podcast called Cling in just a moment by talking about how we can make clinging to God a habit you know, the default way that we respond to whatever life brings our way. But first, let's see what we'll be exploring together in our next podcast. In our next Discover the Word podcast, Rasul Berry leads Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day in a series called Living in Complex Times. What are some ways you've experienced life become more complex nowadays? I just remember moving from being a a married couple to having kids. That first immersion into parenting, I hardly could cope. For me, I think of budgeting as a young adult, realizing that the amount of money I had coming in was not enough to cover everything that I would need to buy or pay for in the month. That was difficult. Yeah, that's interesting, Daniel, because when you get to my age, you'll find that there are all kinds of layers of complexity in trying to sign up for Medicare. Oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, yes. I mean, it's like you're going into the lion's den. Yeah, it just seems like for many of us, life is getting more complicated. And here's the thing. In complex times like these, it's helpful to remember that many of God's children that we see in the Bible found themselves in culturally complex times as well. And we're going to examine one of those people over the next several sessions. Her name is Esther. Mm -hmm. And her story is full of complex situations. And so do you feel like your life on basically every level gets more and more complex? Well, then pull your chair up to the table with us in our next podcast for that study of Esther and living in complex times. And now the conclusion of our conversation with Kim Cash-Tate called Cling. What kind of habits do you build into your day? Are you Mm. creatures of habit? 
I pad into the kitchen, plunk a little pod in my Keurig, and punch start (laughs) every morning. (laughs) Why is it that coffee surfaces as being one of our most important habits? First habit, Yeah. yeah. I didn't used to. I used to be just fine with nothing. And I find that if I can do that, my mind turns on differently. And then I'm ready mm-hmm. for the other stuff that probably yeah. matters a lot more. Coffee is the general theme and for good reason. And, and <laughs> I, I think that uh, when you think about that, beyond those first moments of the day, we find ourselves in habitual kind of behavior. I mean, how many times, Mart, have you and I eaten lunch at Subway? I mean, mm-hmm. 500,000 or something. I mean, it's just <laughs> kind of the place we always That's end up going. That's a lot of mm-hmm. inches of mm-hmm. sandwich. That's what I yeah. just saw in my mind. <laughs> and that was not intended to be a commercial, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the habit you were thinking of, was No, it? no. We've been talking about clinging to God and intimacy with God, and it doesn't just happen. It's not something we just hope for and then it falls into place. We actually can choose a lifestyle of intimacy with God. Does that sound like a foreign concept? You're saying as a habit? Yes, as a habit. It doesn't sound like a foreign concept, but it sounds like we're getting dangerously close to the line of a performance-oriented approach to Mm. the Christian life. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering how we build the lifestyle without Mm -hmm. it becoming about performance. Mm -hmm. I think that that is a fine line. And I think, again, it comes back to we talked the other day about how do you approach God and am I just building up knowledge of him, head knowledge, knowledge, head knowledge, Mm -hmm. or do I really want to know him? So when I'm talking about choosing that lifestyle of intimacy with God, it's really just a passion for him, a love for him where you want to spend time with him, not to check off a box, but to build habits of intentionality with God. So let's look at Psalm 18, 1 through 3, just those three verses, another Psalm of David. David says, I love you, Lord. You're my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is the shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. I love the very first line, hmm. I love you, O Lord, my strength. That just screams intimacy mm-hmm. to me. So you have David, a mighty warrior <laughs> who became the king of Israel. At this point, he's been delivered from his enemies from the hand of Saul. He's this mighty warrior. And he says, I love you, Lord. We were talking earlier about mm-hmm. intimacy and how we can think of that as a feminine thing. Mm. And here's the mighty warrior Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. saying, Mm -hmm. I love you, Lord. And Mm -hmm. it's because of the intimacy that he spent with God. And what I also love about those three verses, look how many times he says my. Mm. Mm -hmm. So personal. Yeah. My rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my Mm -hmm. God, my rock, Mm -hmm. my shield, my salvation, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So God is very personal. And I believe it's because David chose a lifestyle of intimacy so that whenever he was in trouble, we looked at Psalm 63 yesterday, whenever he was threatened, whenever he was about to be overtaken by his enemies, he looked to God in prayer. That's what he was doing was praying. And that's still in his mind, because even as he says, my rock, my fortress, my delivery, he also says my enemies. 
Yes. I mean, that's in there, yes. too. So yes. never he stopped, saved me it? from my enemies. Yes, yeah. I am saved mm-hmm. from my enemies. I call upon the Lord. And so a big part of choosing that lifestyle of intimacy with God is just talking to God. So, you know, we think about, do I have to check off a box? Do I have to build in some legalistic? It's really just talk to God every day, just like we talk to our spouses we talk to our kids we talk to our friends we talk to that's how we build that intimacy talk to god mm-hmm. not just when i wake up in the morning i have to have my time of prayer we might have that but then what do we do the rest of the day he should be just a living breathing part of the day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it looks to me from this song that it's opening ourselves to the lord and then he seems to all the sense so that god's word is coming into his life and his strength mm-hmm. god is speaking back as i'm your rock i'm your fortress I'm your savior. I'm your protection. So it's almost like there's a mutuality here, isn't there? David loves because he's loved. He's Yes. And David has found God to be these things in his life. So we could go through life. We could go through our Christian lives. And based on the word of God, say the Lord is a rock. He's a fortress. He's a deliverer. Because I saw what he did in David's life. I saw what he did with Goliath. He's somebody you can take refuge in. Mm -hmm. But when you say he's my rock, Mm -hmm. he's Mm -hmm. my fortress, you've had a personal experience. Mm -hmm. You've had an experience of calling on God when you've had a trial, when you've had a hardship, you called on God and Mm -hmm. you saw him deliver you. And when you're looking at secondhand experiences as the basis of things, it's not going to drive you to say, I love you. Right. I mean, it's not going to take you there. Right. You know what I wish? I wish we could bring all of our friends to the table with us right now and just talk to one another and ask the question, have you experienced the strength of God? Have you experienced God's presence? Have you experienced his protection? I'll bet as we listen to one another, I'll bet we would be able to say, you know, I have been breathing him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have been experiencing his presence Mm -hmm. and kindness and love in my life. Mm -hmm. And when you hear somebody else express that, it rekindles, oh yeah, me too. Oh yeah, me too. In ways we might have not noticed. It's easy just to kind of forget. Or miss them altogether. We didn't realize. Exactly, right. Yeah, it's kind of like that footprints in the sand thing where, you know, that was when I carried you. Yeah. Uh, The moments where there were only the one set of footprints. Those are the times when somebody else has to trigger Mm -hmm. those remembrances in our own hearts Mm -hmm. because we do lose touch of Mm it. We get so in the moment, we lose Mm -hmm. touch of it. So I think you're so right on track pointing out the element of community, how we help notice each other. But I'm starting to think, Kim, as I'm reading this with you, I'm thinking, how do I build this pattern, this habit? Mm Mm-hmm of intimacy. And you started off talking about, I responded with coffee. And I think to myself, I have developed an ability to understand what I need physically. I know I need protein, or I know I need, you know, something healthy, or or I know I need sleep. I can start to recognize that at, you know, 60 plus years now, I can recognize that. Or I know I need to get outside and move my body. But I think in terms of building this life of intimacy with God, this habit, we take then what we recognize maybe in community, and there's a personal learning of recognizing when is my soul needing God. That is good. Mm-hmm. And can I pay attention to that the same way I pay attention to other needs? Mm-hmm. And it's me going, oh, I remember when he was my rock. I need him to be my rock right now. Mm-hmm. I have to make it super concrete to where I can access that hunger thirst, that spiritual mm-hmm. hunger thirst, the way we do my coffee in the morning. And the more you do that, the more it becomes a lifestyle because you begin to recognize it more. 
your need of God. And for me, that's every day. I often joke about my kids and I say, they don't need me. They need the Jesus in me. I know what it looks like when they get me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know when I'm testy. I know when mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. reacting and frustrated and ah, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. that's me. Mm-hmm. But then I know I need to go mm-hmm. and just I don't even have to go anywhere. I can just in my head, Lord, please mm-hmm. help me. Mm-hmm. Help me to have the right attitude. Help me. And that's clinging. That's that lifestyle. That's it's what I call those breath prayers. Mm-hmm. I could be washing the dishes. I could be driving. I could be and I could be talking to my husband and I'm clinging in my mind because I'm praying, Lord, I'm about to say something I shouldn't say. I need you to help me here. Mm -hmm. And so just those Mm -hmm. being ever aware, because we are desperate for God every day, all Mm -hmm. day. But do we realize it Mm -hmm. to where we can actually be sending up prayers where we can remember the things we've read in his word, his ways, and then call upon those ways? It almost makes me wonder, is it irreverent to say that maybe the secret to developing good habits is to find out that God has been there first with his own habits mm. of protecting, I mean, mm-hmm. and providing. Only we don't call it habits. We call it faithfulness. Right. Mm-hmm. His faithfulness. But there's almost a habitualness yeah. to his yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Then it goes back to, do we recognize his ways? Do we know his ways enough to know mm. that was God's faithfulness? Yeah. <laughs> He's there before I am. Yes. Yeah. Always. I always think about that verse where it says, pray without ceasing. And I used to wonder, how in the world do you do that? But it's just yeah. that lifestyle. <laughs> when you're clinging. When you're clinging. That's what it is. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And that's what he made us for. And it's hard yes. to understand. I think yeah. back to the umbilical cord of a baby yeah. in a mother's womb and we cut it. But, you know, God really wants us to have a spiritual tether to him. Yes. In that same way where we derive mm-hmm. our sustenance from yeah. him. Mm-hmm. I think you've really helped us. Mm-hmm. Just to develop this idea of clinging to our mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm to realize that he's upholding us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I have thoroughly enjoyed this time. Yeah, thanks, Kim. Mark Dehan, Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and our friend Kim Cash-Tate wrapping up part two of the Discover the Word podcast called Cling, Choosing a Lifestyle of Intimacy with God. And once more, let me encourage you to pick up a copy of Kim's book called Cling, It is published by Our Daily Bread Publishing, and you'll find it at ourdailybreadpublishing.org. Or you'll find it when you search really any of the online booksellers. Cling by Kim Cash-Tate. Well, Discover the Word is a small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in which we invite you to walk with us through topics and passages that inform the way we read the scriptures challenge us as we live our lives as followers of Christ and always point us to discover Jesus in the pages of the Bible. And Discover the Word is part of Our Daily Bread Ministries, where for the last 80 plus years, we've been telling the story of Jesus thanks to the financial partnership of listeners and friends who share our mission, which is to make the life-changing story and wisdom of the Bible understandable and accessible to people all around the world. And so if you'd like to give a one-time gift or give a recurring monthly gift as a Discover the Word partner, click on the Donate button at our discovertheword.org website. You can give safely and securely right there. Well, thanks for listening. I'm Brian Hedinga. Discover the Word is provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries.